Hey there, Conquerors. Mike here to remind you all that we are now on Patreon. So if you like Conquering Columbus and hearing all the cool stories from people here in the city, head over to www.patreon.com backslash Conquering Columbus. And there you can sign up to donate and be one of our patrons, which is a way to support us via small monthly donations. And it uh, keeps the podcast up and running and keeps allowing us to uh, bring great interviews to you in the future. So please head on over there and check it out. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey guys, thanks for checking out another episode of Conquering Columbus. On this episode, we have a lot of fun sitting down with good friends, Alex and Lacey Picasso. Give you a little bit of background on how Mike and I know Alex and Lacey. Alex was our Director of Operations and Strength and Conditioning Coach while in the Ohio State Wrestling Program um, our last year or so there. He transitioned strictly into the Director of Operations because I had defeated him on every physical and endurance strength battle known to man. And since then, he has left the Ohio State Wrestling Program altogether to focus on his own ventures, um, some of which include the co-founder and COO of Lumos Innovations, the co-founder of Media Machine, and then he also has some roles over at Singularity University. Um, Lacey, Mike, and I were fortunate enough to meet through Alex shortly after, and she is the founder of Zoco Design, where I actually spent a year working after I got out of college. Um, this episode is a little bit echoey because we did it back in Alex and Lacey's living room and we weren't uh, weren't aware of how echoey that environment would be, I guess. But it is full of great content. Alex and Lacey are brilliant individuals and again, we have a lot of fun. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to my co-host, Mike. Let him introduce you guys into the episode. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Nice. We're in this Picasso castle and we're <laughs> Mike's sitting on a beanbag the size of seven mics. I think I could lay down on this thing and sleep and my feet would... I just get wrapped into it. This is either the classiest or the most casual interview that we will ever do, I think. <laughs> so kind of we want to kick off and talk about, you guys are both Ohio State alumni. Um, let's talk about your journey for both you guys starting at Ohio State and kind of how it led to where you are today and give you some background on, on that. I guess I'll start since uh, I was at Ohio State a few years before Lacey, while she was probably still, what were you, high schooler? or What? Cradle robber. Was. a weirdo. <laughs> We'll edit that part. <laughs> <laughs> that part definitely needs to So, uh, yeah, I, I wrestled at, at Grandview, decided to come and uh, wrestle at Ohio State, was a four-year starter and team captain, but the whole time I was at Ohio State, even though I took wrestling very seriously and uh, was one of the harder workers on the team, I took uh, college and just really everything I do very seriously. So, uh, majored in business. While I was at Ohio State, uh, my junior year, I was talking to the 
the strength coach that I used since high school, Mm -hmm. uh, him and I had come up with a lot of different wrestling specific type of exercises for my own training. Uh, We used to do a lot of strongman competition stuff too then. And uh, we decided that we were creating a pretty good system and that we might want to turn that into business. So my senior, the summer before my senior year, him and I opened up Go Sports Performance Center in Grandview and that uh, trained young athletes uh, for their sport-specific type of lifting. So wrestling is a good example that you don't ever need to uh, exert power on your knees in almost any other sport, but wrestling you do. So uh, finding ways to train athletes for their sport. Uh, But I guess the reason I share that is because it taught me something that I wasn't really expecting. I thought I loved sports and wanted to have a career in uh, something with athletics. And it really just taught me that I like the entrepreneurship side of opening that business more than training. So I quickly transitioned out of training the classes and more into the business aspect of it. And, uh, and you know, that got me set down the path to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And then did you end up exiting that company and send it to selling it to your partner? Or how did yeah, so what happened was I got a, a great offer after I uh, graduated Ohio State from uh, Coach Ryan to, to join the team. And uh, at that point... Uh, I knew I still wanted to be an entrepreneur, but uh, but I wanted to work on some other things, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, so I ended up, yeah, having my partner buy me out and exiting that company, which really allowed me to pursue some other entrepreneurial things as well. Uh, another good thing to note about uh, what I learned through getting my job at Ohio State, I never wanted a career in coaching or thought I was going to stay in the wrestling uh, world after, after college. Uh, it wasn't on my radar at all. And I was just planning on moving on and doing some things. Uh, and as uh, Josh, you and Mike know, as a wrestler, you have to do a lot of uh, community service and other things like that. So I had just graduated, was starting to look for a job, and we were doing the uh, autism tournament where we volunteer to uh, basically, uh, we ref and we do the scores table and things like that. And I think this was the first or second year, and it was really unorganized. So. But uh, what has happened, it was so unorganized that uh, the scores table couldn't keep up with like the updating the matchups and things like that. So uh, half the time the match weren't even being utilized. They were waiting for the scores table to figure out like, okay, who won what match and send the information over. Uh, and as most people are, and this is, I guess, uh, something I've noticed throughout my life in general, most people are like, I'm just here to do my job. This is what they told me to do. And uh, that's all I'm doing. Actually, I was at an event uh, where they were shuttling us to uh, another location uh, just this past week. And the guy who drove the van was on a walkie-talkie with the people. And he dropped us off. And we were standing in the building for like 30 minutes and couldn't find anyone. So I went out to the guy in the van and I said, hey, I'm not sure if those people are there. And he's like, uh, what? I, I'm just dropping you guys off. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I said, well, someone on the walkie-talkie that you could ask, he said, my job is just to drop you guys off, and I'm just thinking, well, this guy could easily go and talk to people, but he's just got the, I'm just doing my job mindset, and I knew that it wasn't worth talking to him anymore. Uh, so that's a side note onto, I'm sitting there noticing that this is all, you know, just uh, a cluster, and we all know as wrestlers, there's, a, uh, there's the brackets over on the wall where people go see who won and this and that. So I just went up to the wall, and I grabbed the brackets and I took them over the bench. And I just started yelling for the wrestlers, like, hey, you know, who won this match? Who won this match? 
And I just started running three brackets off the mat myself, and then I started sending that to uh, telling the other mats, hey, just go grab brackets. And we ran through the tournament like that without the scores table. It's just because it's what needed to happen instead of having you know, 200 families just sitting around in a room for an extra four hours because things were unorganized. And again, I didn't even think twice about that's how, it, how you do everything. Uh, two days later, Coach Ryan called me office and he offered me a job. And it was because he saw that I was just, you know, doing whatever needed to be done. Mm -hmm. And again, I wasn't trying to get a job with him. I was just living life the way I always do it, trying to make things run smoothly and efficiently. And uh, if I can see a way to add value, I do. Uh, so I, I try to tell uh, that to our wrestlers sometimes is that uh, you're always on a job interview. And uh, don't always necessarily think of it as a job interview just think about it doing what you do in life the best you can but you never know when people are watching and, and gonna take notice and that might be two days later you get an offer for a job or uh, a gig or someone wants to uh, you know collaborate with you on something or 30 years later someone says hey I remember that guy that was uh, really helpful the way he did that and so uh, again you never know when people are watching so mm -hmm. just uh, do your best all the time and it'll pay off. Yeah, well, from, from what it sounds like and what I know of you, you've just always been focused on, for one, you understand how precious your time is and you're always trying to make the most of it, but then you're always just really authentic to yourself and you know what your strengths are and you just are always trying to move forward, which I think if you focus on those things and you focus on just being authentic to who you are, then things tend to work out the way they should in the end, which it seems like it kind of has. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that I'm always pressed for time, but I also don't think of myself as someone whose time is more valuable than other people. So mm -hmm. uh, I also notice when when I can do some something in one minute that's going to save someone else five minutes I got to jump in and do that and I kind of expect the same of other people's people as well mm -hmm. right so Lacey you know what can you start back at Ohio State and tell us what your experience at Ohio State was like and kind of what led you towards being an entrepreneur yeah um so I am a graphic designer by trade I went to school for visual communication design um, and then I had several different jobs and internships in that field through college. It was my goal to graduate college with zero debt. And so I typically worked uh, three plus jobs at a time um, to make that happen. And, and like Alex, I feel like, you know, we're always constantly working, but we're working towards something. And, and so it was worth it for me to kind of miss out on some of that college experience to meet that goal. But I worked um, in several different internships and in different capacities as a designer uh, one of the last ones at school, I worked for Ohio State Athletics, which is where I met Alex as a wrestling coach and ended up doing a lot of wrestling design as he was constantly on our floor. Um, but then That's after surprised. school, yeah, <laughs> after school, I started work at an agency that I really liked. It was kind of a smaller agency, got to um, work on big, exciting projects and um, have more hands-on experience, even as a young designer. But... What I learned even there is that it might be challenging for a young designer to get to have their hands on everything that you want to. I felt like I'm the sort of person who wants to make an impact at what I'm doing and not just be given a task list. I, if I see opportunities where I can help, like Alex, I want to learn from those things and I want to kind of dive in and, and see how I can add value. Um, and I felt like it was going to be several years before I would be allowed that opportunity. And then that agency was purchased by a larger agency and absorbed um, and it became that much more apparent that you know a designer's job was kind of to, to push pixels and, and to take 
orders from a client and that was it where I thought I could add a lot more value by actually getting to interface with the client and help with business development decisions and help with the business as a whole. Um, and so I had kind of made the, made up my mind at that point that I wanted to do it for myself because I felt like there were other young designers that felt the same way that they felt they could make a bigger impact in the business. Um, and I especially think that that's important because I think designers are well suited to be entrepreneurs because we have kind of the same sort of, um, skills, you know, we're constantly building things, we're making things, we're trying to creatively solve challenges for our clients, we're trying to build up businesses and understand um, consumers and, and clients, and I think that's the same thing an entrepreneur needs to do really well. So I ended up deciding to leave uh, the last agency about four and a half years ago, um, but I also realized that I'm not a great salesperson. And so I knew in starting my own agency, that would be a skill that is probably valuable. So I um, went against the grain and took a year as a pharmaceutical sales rep, which I knew was not a job for me, but that I could get some good experience in that. And I think the other benefit with taking some time to do that was not only uh, could I learn some sales experience, but I wouldn't be creatively burnt out. When I was still at the, the agency before I left, I was doing freelancing projects in the evening and just being in front of a computer all day and then going home and trying to work five more hours on something creative would just burn you out. So by getting out of the house and going calling on doctors and meeting with people all day, I was getting a different experience where then I'd come home at night and feel so refreshed to work on something um, a little bit more hands-on. So after doing that a year, I was feeling like it was starting to hold me back from um, starting Zoco and launching a design business because there just are only so many hours in a day. So I felt like I had enough freelance clients. It would be a safe decision. And so with Alex's support, I left being a drug rep and uh, started the business. And it was um, about a year that it was just me um, fulfilling all of the duties, whether it's you know designing things and doing business development and networking or project management and um, until I was able to, to bring on other members of the team, which was super helpful. And now we're, we're just over three years old, and we're at eight people, plus four office dogs, um, <laughs> which is important. One of which is sitting right here with us today. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and that was kind of the journey of, of why I ended up starting a business. But I realized that there, especially in the millennial generation, there are so many other designers and just people in general that want to make an impact. They don't want to just be given this is my list of duties and what I have to fulfill in a job but I want to feel like you know what I do is going to make a difference make or break this business and especially in a small team that's so important to have those personalities that are really dedicated to seeing like okay this person's having trouble with this on my team and I think I can add some value there or oh I've never tried writing copy for an ad tag before but I, I feel like I would probably be good at that so let me take a stab at it and see where I can add value. And everyone on our team has that personality. And I think not only is it good for efficiencies of not needing to hire, you know, 25 different roles, um, but I think it makes us all a lot more creative and able to, to learn new skills, um, which just keeps us fresh. And then we're able to solve problems better for our clients because nothing's ever the same. We're never just slapping a new brand or a new logo on the same challenge and, and repurposing solutions. Everything's really unique. I think that's because we're able to adapt and be flexible in different roles and uh, for different clients. So that idea that you talked about of 
having people work under you who are really excited and having a small team where you know people want to make an impact. Did you realize that when you first started, like when you were kind of, was there a transition from being a freelancer who wanted to own their own business to learning to be more of like a business leader and a business owner? And do you still consider yourself like in the grind and designing all the time or more of like leading people? Yeah. Does that question make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, you kind of learn as you go from an entrepreneur standpoint. I've had a lot of great mentors uh, that have helped me a lot to help me figure out challenges before I stumble, although there have still been plenty of mistakes. I think in the, I mean, obviously in the beginning you do everything, um, and I really love designing, so while I miss it, now that we have a bigger team, I don't get to touch things quite as often, and I always have some sort of oversight um, and get to do a little creative direction, but how frequently I actually get to ideate and solve for problems, it's more limited and kind of uh, based on the capacity of our team. Um, which is kind of a bummer for me. And so I, I tell other designers who want to start their own business that if they want to do that, they should be careful how big they grow because even with a really small team, you're probably not going to get to design that much. And if that's something you love, then maybe this isn't the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been challenging, but in a really good way. I mean, our, our team is all really awesome, and I know that I can trust them with any problem of the business. Um, I know that I could go out on maternity leave and that when I come back, the business will all be in one piece, even though I'm really the only um, person in management on the team. Like, everybody can handle the rest of the challenges of the business with or without me, which is really cool. Yeah, a good example of that is uh, we actually had the guy who ran our office, uh, you know, taking a job right before you went on (laughs) maternity leave. And, uh, I had to see survive. how strong the company was. I had to <laughs> if you don't throw some wrenches in the engine, you don't know how good of an engine it is. For those of you who don't know, that was Josh. <laughs> so yeah, Josh uh, worked with Zoco for, uh, for a while, did a great job, and uh, did such a good job that one of our uh, clients, which was a uh, growing and successful startup that we were doing a lot of work for, uh, was impressed with him, and, and they offered him a job. And uh, since we knew job, Josh was entrepreneurial and uh, really interested in exploring all those avenues, we told him that was a, a great opportunity, and uh, we still don't hold it against him too much. As, uh, we're willing to still do <laughs> too much. It only comes he, out he in like bitter, <laughs> passive comments. It'll just slowly slip out, and I'll know that it's still there. <laughs> but it takes some time. But so, um, what about, okay, so in all of this, we actually haven't even heard, I mean, we heard how you met because Alex was going into the office all the time to ask for design stuff at Ohio State, but how did you guys actually start dating? What happened there? If you don't mind me asking, because I've um, actually never heard this story. <laughs> so, so as a uh, as a wrestling coach on Team Photo Day, they take your headshots, you know, the same day as Team Photo Day. Uh, but I went to a all staff meeting uh, one day, and they announced at the end of the meeting, "Hey, for all the staff members who still need a headshot for the company directory, stop up at the back." And I was walking out thinking, I don't need a headshot, but I noticed some, uh, some attractive uh, photography assistant or something like that standing next to the photographer. <laughs> don't even know her title. <laughs> okay. Come on. So uh, I, I was like, okay, well, maybe I do need a headshot. Uh, so, so I'm like maybe 20 people down in line and there's maybe you know 20 people behind me. And I noticed that that assistant looks behind her and realizes... He's getting choked. First off, I realized this isn't the assistant. This is someone who thought they were starting the line for the headshots and uh, no one got in line behind her and they formed their own line. So she was just kind of standing there next to the photographer. And uh, when she realized that, 
this is Lacey, if you haven't picked up on it yet. <laughs> uh, she was walking like kind of dejectedly to the back of the line, thinking, oh, well, I guess I gotta wait longer. And so when I noticed her walking back, I said, hey, I saw you, you tried to start that line, you can jump up here in front of me. So I uh, found out she was a graphic design intern for athletics, and after that, uh, wrestling just had a real big need for a lot of design projects. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's how we met, and, uh, and uh, yeah, so as an entrepreneur, I, I see great value in design, and uh, even greater value of having a wife who, uh, who can do all your design <laughs> anytime you need it. So, this is uh, true. Yeah. Marry strategically, there you exactly. go. Exactly. You have to, do, you have <laughs> to do everything in life strategically. <laughs> if you can take one lesson away, it's all about strategy. So that's awesome. So then you, you guys met, everything went well. And you guys both graduated Ohio State, and then you did your career, and you jumped into Zoco, and then you didn't talk too much about how you got into Media Machine and how you kind of jumped from um, leaving the sports business that you started and then jumping into what you're yeah. doing now. Yeah, so I, I graduated Ohio State, and again, uh, I still wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, uh, and I was somewhat taking my time because I was in the process of uh, considering exiting from that uh, sports performance center. So it gave me, gave me a window of time with the buyout and things like that to, uh, to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And basically I told myself, okay, I could go get a job. Uh, I actually remember they had us do like, uh, you know, student athletes, we have those like uh, career connection stuff. So, uh, so they were doing practice mock interviews. They're like, oh, this is exciting today. Someone from, from Chase has, who does interviews has, agreed to come and put you guys through interviews so you get practice from someone real doing it. And after my practice interview, they offered me a job, and I was just like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, no, no. I didn't even know that was possible, <laughs> but uh, I wasn't ready to basically just go sit in a, a cubicle and, you know, most business uh, introductory uh, level jobs, with a lot of cold calling and sales and things like that. Uh, so I wasn't ready to do that, so it pushed me to start thinking, well, what do, I, what do I want to do? And I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Didn't exactly know what business I wanted to start, but I, I knew that, uh, you know, real estate might be a good option. Uh, so, so basically, instead of going out and applying to get any jobs, I, uh, again, this is in the meantime of me talking to Coach Ryan and exploring that, but I went to uh, the local Columbus real estate investor group and they've got a pretty decent uh, model and they charge membership fees and all that sort of stuff and they have classes and I went to the guy who owns it and runs it uh, and said hey I I don't have any money I just graduated college I can't really join but I would love to do an unpaid internship for for you and do whatever you need and just learn along the way Uh, so he said sure so instead of going and getting a job I did an unpaid internship and I I told him uh, my goal in the first six months would be to buy my first house. And uh, two months later, I had purchased uh, a house in Grandview, two blocks away from where I grew up. Uh, And I purchased it without having an actual job. So that was, we won't, you know, this isn't a real estate podcast, but I was able to uh, do some creative deals and financing with the seller and this and that. And so he taught me a lot to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that person I'm still partners with on uh, a lot of real estate stuff today. And uh, Josh, is you're even collaborating with us on some stuff as well. So 
Uh, he was a great mentor in real estate and allowing me to just explore that sort of stuff. Uh, and in the meantime, took the job at Ohio State. Uh, you'd ask about Media Machine. So while I was doing real estate and, and coaching at Ohio State, uh, a friend of mine uh, actually taking a step back, he was my uh, college roommate my senior year. And halfway through our senior year, he decided that he was going to start a band. And because he's a pretty motivated self-starter, uh, he decided, well, if I'm going to have a band, then I need a recording studio. I'm not just going to pay for recording studios. So he built a recording studio in our basement. So I'm cutting weight for wrestling, and wrestling season just miserable, and he's got uh, the drums located right underneath my bed and uh, just recording this, this garbage every night. So uh, <laughs> We're not editing that part out. So. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. So he, uh, after college, he actually expanded and, and opened up an actual legitimate recording studio called Warren Junior Recording, and uh, it, it does pretty well. Uh, they do a lot of not just bands, but they uh, record like commercials, they do movie scoring, all this different sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he ended up buying uh, uh, a lot of good equipment and uh, doing well and started having clients come in for more commercial work. Mm -hmm. And we're, I was talking to him, was like, there seems like there's a lot of uh, audio that you're doing, but who's doing all this video work that you're doing the audio for? And, him and I realized that there was an opportunity to uh, to win that work. So him, myself, and one other person, we founded Media Machine, where we do a lot of uh, video production for uh, large brands like Limited Brands and, and a decent amount of other ones, a lot of internal and external stuff. And really that was just identifying an opportunity and uh, finding a way to get yourself in that niche. And uh, been going well it plays really well with Zoco so you know we partner on a lot of projects for different creative things and it's been great yeah, and actually every time you hear our intro you're hearing some of more Julio's work I believe oh so yeah Drew is Drew still playing? yeah so Drew is uh, the other partner we mentioned yeah yep. Drew and since we said Drew we got to give Zach Graves a call out yeah. Zach Graves <laughs> is the uh, friend who built a recording studio to torment me and uh, <laughs> our senior house yeah yeah we'll have orange doing everything linked in the show notes but um so it's cool how it all kind of came together you kind of just noticed opportunities for another business to kind of capitalize on what you guys are already doing hey guys thanks a lot for listening today we're just going to take a really quick break to support columbus ohio native lewis house who is bringing an amazing event back to the city september 29th through october 1st the summit of greatness at this event, Lewis is bringing together some of the most inspiring leaders in the world to speak, but most importantly, the event's designed with the individuals attending in mind and at the forefront to help them get the most out of the weekend. You can listen to Lewis describe it himself at thesummitofgreatness.com. You can also find the itinerary there, the list of speakers, and pick yourself up some tickets. Thanks a lot to Lewis for bringing this back to Columbus, and without further ado, let's get back to the episode. So talk about, maybe I think one thing that I'm really interested in this more of a question for you, Lacey, is... With starting Zoco um, and then bringing this back to Columbus, have you noticed any difficulties with how many graphic design companies there are in Columbus? And then I'm sure there's a lot of competition with video production and things like that. I mean, I know a couple off my head and I'm not that immersed in the industry. So how did you guys try to differentiate yourself and what have been some of the ups and downs with starting a business like those in Columbus? Well, I mean, there are so many. And I guess I was naive, even being in the industry, how many there were when I started Zoco. I thought, okay, well, there's probably like 
12, maybe 15 agencies in town. I bet there's over 50. Like, there's so many. And new ones start every day just because it's um, a lower-risk business to start because it's all based around your time. And, you know, if you have other income coming in from one thing or another, you can spend time on something and and give your time towards building a business. Um, I almost feel like it's an easy transition, too, not to interrupt you, but, like, from being a freelancer to starting your own business. Not easy, per se, but compared to other companies where you really don't know what what kind of company am I going to start, I noticed a lot of people who freelance are just like, well, hey, I already have my brand and my name, so you think that kind of helps? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's easy, but if you're able to build a good... It's a logical transition. It's a logical transition, yeah. If you have some sort of a network and you're a good networker and good at meeting people, um, it's not too hard. If you're not, it's really hard to find new business because with freelancing... You know, you're spending all your time doing design, but then once you finish your projects and you have free time, then you're like, oh, crap, I don't have anything to work on. I guess I have to go out and build business. And because you're doing it all for yourself, it can be hard. And you have to balance for that ebb and flow of, you know, one Mm -hmm. month you might be slammed and have a ton of work. The next month you might be struggling to pay your bills. Um, So, yeah, that was was a fairly natural transition for me going from, from that. But then... You know, you kind of learn the business parts of things as you go. Um, even with freelancing, even if you're a solopreneur, you have to have good contracts. Mm-hmm. You have to have some good legal protection in place. And luckily, I had some good mentors that helped me uh, with some of those things because getting an attorney to draw them up is quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about what, what it's like to start you know, a service-based business in Columbus, I think Columbus is unique in how supportive our communities are. I mean, I know that there are people out there that are less supportive and and just kind of keep to themselves and are out for themselves. But overall, I would say I have yet to find a single person that I couldn't ask to coffee, whether they're a CEO level or a CMO level or agency founder or just another designer, whatever. Um, If you ask the right way and you have, you know, true questions you want to ask them, not just, hey, I would like to pick your brain. Do you have time? But like say, hey, I'm interested in you because of these reasons, like, can you take time to talk through it with me? Um, everybody said, you know, yeah, I'll get coffee with you or I'll get lunch, what have you. Josh did um, find uh, one person to, to not well. go forward with that one. Josh, you care to share that one? Yeah, so, I mean, it's you. I think you've skewed the story to the point where I don't even know if I remember it correctly, but I oh, had I met. Remember. I remember too. I had, I had met my current boss at a networking event after he gave a talk. And I went up to him, and everybody else is like giving their <laughs> backgrounds and all these things about him. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna be chill. Like, I'm gonna be a cool dude. I'm gonna walk up to him and be like, let's just get lunch. And I said, hey, like, get lunch with you sometime. And then he looked at me and said, like, waiting for the pitch. And he's like, if you come up with a good reason to write me an email, maybe we'll do it. And then just never talked to him again for about four more months. Met him one more time. Next time I actually had a reason and I give him a business card and then it turned into like not an awkward mandate that I was right. so. You didn't even introduce yourself. Like you were there specifically. He should have knew my name. I was a big guy. Sup, wanna go to lunch? You so were this there is while Josh was working for at Zoco. Zoco. Supposed to be doing some business development and like getting to network and meet people. And you didn't even say, Hi, my name is Josh, I work at Zoco or what Zoco was. In my defense, I was trying to business develop for Zoco, but I was trying to make myself unique. I was coming wildcard. 
hard at all. <laughs> right. When was the last time somebody was asking for a sandwich? development or asked him on a date, so he was playing it safe <laughs> and said no. But again, Josh did come around. He, he pulled that business in for yeah. Zoco and then, uh, again, was wooed by them to go work for them full-time where he's doing it now. So was wooed. So maybe, uh, maybe awesome. Josh's technique, although not the fastest way to success, proved to be pretty <laughs> efficient. Successful. Yeah. yeah. So if I ask you on a mandate, I'm coming back again six months later and I'm getting your business. That's right. That's funny. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think one of the keys though that, that um, wasn't mentioned when we were telling the story is that Josh emailed and followed up with Jeff. And I think Jeff told him he was the only one mm-hmm. who actually followed up. So I think that's a key that, you know, if anyone's out there wondering, hey, how can I get connected with these people? Don't settle for like the first time you email them or reach out to them and they say, hey, can't do it right now, and just assume, well, I'm never going to get to be with them. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of no's as an entrepreneur, and, and you just have to be resilient. Um, and sometimes, like you said, it's just being the only person that's willing to not only put in the effort, but ask for what they want. I mean, I got my first, uh, my first real non-intern design job because I was the only designer in a 60-person class that ended up going up to, to him at the end of his talk, speaking to our class and said, hey, like, I want to meet with you. I want to learn more. I'm really interested. Um, and, and then continue to follow up with him. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, no, like, I'm going to take you to lunch. I want a tour of the office. I, like, I would love to interview an intern here. Um, and then when we had the interview, I, I told him outright, like, not only do I want this job, but I can see this being a good career for me. And I think I can make a big impact here and, like, it is, obviously, it's assumed if you're in an interview, you want a job. But I made it very much known that I, I planned on getting this job and I planned on them being very happy that they hired me. Mm-hmm. And he said that that was just apparently unique, which I wouldn't have thought it would have been. Um, and so I was hired. And I think to your point, it's just being willing to put in a little bit of extra effort and being resilient because you do get a lot of no's as an entrepreneur. I mean, your success rate for putting out proposals and, and trying to win new business is sometimes lower than you'd like it to be, but you just have to keep following up. Yeah, I think I think one of the key things that I always hear from those stories and that I have from like my personal experience is that if you're just making sure that you're adding value to the person you're reaching out to and not trying right. to take something out of it, right. in the end it's going to work out for you and they're, they're probably going to say yes. I think I have a list of three people that have ever not responded to get coffee with me if I found a way to add value to them and I will keep that list. Get those three people on air right now. I will keep that list for the rest of my life. And I I have it hanging on my wall like the guy from Happy or Billy Madison. And I will wait till they call me one day till I can cross their name off the list. And then you'll put your lipstick on. Yeah, that'll it's gonna happen anyways. But I'm kidding. Anyways, let's back so the the question that I I I always hang to the top of my mind and I talked to I believe it was Ryan Frederick from AWH I was talking to the other day about how they're trying to transition out of their business model of selling their time because they feel like it's a really difficult business model to manage. And I think it takes a lot of, when I was working at Zoka, I felt like it took a lot of balance between giving the client the perfect solution that they want and that you're happy with and saying, hey, like we're doing so many revisions on this project, we're out of scope and I'm going to lose money on it. So when you guys are going through and you're working on these deals and you're going back and forth with clients... Where's the where are the different angles that you look to see like okay how do we how do we balance that? I mean, a service based business is in, some, in many ways easier to get started because there's less overhead and you can grow it more gradually than a product based business. But it's also harder to scale to be really large. Um, I remember 
he, talking to Nancy Kramer like two years ago about her growth and resource, and she said, looking back, she would never recommend starting a service-based business, even though resources had obviously massive success, um, which resonated with me because I understand in order to grow, like you need more people, and and you have to be careful with your margins of you know wanting, like you said, to deliver really awesome, excellent work, but also not you know wanting to feel like you're being taken advantage of to have that fifteenth round of revisions or, or that change. Um, and you want to do everything that you can for your clients to make sure they're happy. But like you said, it is kind of a balancing act. And I think we've just kind of learned that in some projects, you win some, you lose some. Some projects aren't really profitable, but we they're profitable maybe not from a, a monetary standpoint, but from building a relationship or having a great case study and um, great experience. Our team learns something from every project we work on, whether it's about an industry or about new ways of working, so we can polish our processes. Um, yeah, so I think the bottom line is, you know, always make sure the product comes first. Now that yeah. means you need to go above and beyond, above and beyond, or you know, eat a little bit on uh, your margin at that point. Then it's worth. That's it. okay. And yeah. uh, you win you it know, on the next one. My partner Zach is actually the best example of that. He uh, he consistently goes above and beyond every, I'd say 90% of every meeting machine project, we go above and beyond on the scope and revisions and this and that. And it's just become our, our company policy. And mm -hmm. even though we could make better margins and we could turn out more work, uh, he's so passionate about the product he's putting out, which is great and that's the type of partner you wanna have, mm -hmm. that, uh, that we put out great work and our clients keep coming back. I mean, we, we very, very rarely work with a client once. It's, it's a bunch of repeat work with uh, you know large businesses that again they know that uh, they use us because they whatever they need we're going to do it whether we make money on it or not and mm -hmm. uh, it's building that long term relationship. A couple of the projects, yeah, we lost money, but mm -hmm. having someone for multiple years as a client getting us work every month is well right. worth that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I've noticed a lot from when I was in the business at Zoco and then what I'd seen in Mean Machine and still when I talk to you guys today is that it starts too that where you guys pick your clients like it's not like you guys just go after anybody you go after yeah. people that you know will be a good fit and projects that you're passionate about and then evolve from there and I think that's like an underlying part of always going above and beyond and being okay with okay maybe we might lose them a little money on it but for one we enjoy the project we enjoy our client we think we're a good fit and we're, ha we're helping them in the end so you know, it just kind of works well, out. We, we already said that a service-based business, that's uh, a people-based business, right? Yeah. So you're selling time and, and that just expands to the, you know, the clients you're doing work for. It's not like you're just selling someone a, a widget online and they, they buy it and then the relationship's done. Mm -hmm. uh, you're in a pretty intimate relationship with them from, from scoping out the project to uh, all the revisions, to delivery, to upkeep afterwards, to measuring success and and uh, you know, making improvements on the next engagement with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's really important that you find a client that you can collaborate with well. And every client's different. And mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think there's a lot of service-based businesses that uh, internally they're they've got a lot of like inside jokes about how difficult clients are, and clients don't get this, and clients don't get that. And if if it's that much of an inside joke that it's like this industry-wide thing that uh, you know clients never understand this. Then it's it's not the clients anymore. It's it's your problem to solve for it, to teach them how it to make it more clear. Because uh, 
it's, it's kind of laughable if, if there's a bunch of experts who are laughing at non-experts for not getting something. It's your job as the expert for them to get it and for you to lay out the right process. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're the client, you're the, you're the person who's delivering for them. So finding the right way to, uh, to make the project work for the client, not for your agency, is going to make a big difference. Right. right. And you know, we talked to Tommy Rollins actually recently and he was talking, we were talking about, and this is a pretty different subject where we were talking about how if you work somewhere, you should provide more value than what they're paying you. Mm -hmm. And that's how you keep your job and you keep moving up. And do you think that applies similarly in a service industry where if you're hired by a client and you can provide them more value or at least more perceived value than what they think they're paying for? Yeah, definitely. It's going to build your business and you're going to grow more quickly? Well, to Josh's point, like the design industry is really competitive and it's becoming more and more competitive because as a designer comes out of school, you know, they can, they can work as a freelancer. They don't have to work for an agency and it's hard for an agency to compete with somebody who's has, you know, fresh out of school hourly rates, um, and no overhead. So it's definitely competitive. And so you have to be able to not only provide better work and better results from that work, but a better client experience so that they really enjoy working with you. You build a loyal partnership where you intimately know their brand and their, their problems and their struggles so that you can help solve for those. Sometimes even when they're not asking and just kind of intuitively know where you can add value and, and solve for things. Um, and it's not even always like from a design and marketing standpoint. Sometimes you see opportunities working with someone intimately that, oh, I see this procedure in your business could be solved by creating this thing that helps align your employees or helps align teams that are across states so that everyone's getting the same message. And it's just, again, trying to be a good partner and, and find places you can add value, even if the client's not quite articulating them. And that makes a huge difference for creating that loyal partnership versus one-off projects. And that's what we want. We, um, we want people that we can work with time and time again, because not only is it obviously better for business, but better for creating real authentic and genuine relationships it's better for knowing them so well that you can just add value at, at every point whether they're paying you for a specific project or not mm -hmm. yeah that's something that jeff wilkins even talks about and brian the president of our company talk about with our company that if we're going to charge someone a certain amount for our product we want to make sure that we're at least saving them enough time to the point where it's adding more value than we're taking away from them in dollars but I think it, it gets really hard to measure that when it comes to like a graphic design agency where can you really measure analytically how much your, your value, you know, comes from design. I mean, maybe you could obviously argue you could and, and how much like a new website would do for you and things like that. But I think it can be difficult sometimes to really um, break it down into data. But as we're coming to an end here, the, the two big things I want to touch about too are what you guys have going on with Lumos now because there's a really big project there. And then maybe talk about what you're doing at Singularity too, and the other roles that you guys have both have going on right now. Yeah, so I guess let's start with Singularity, just adding to this, uh, you know, add value whenever, uh, without necessarily knowing uh, that this is just some there's some end goal in it for you. Uh, we've got a very close friend Nick Davis who uh, who works at Singularity, and we started to do uh, work for Singularity, and we met him through doing work for. Uh, you know, the agencies he was working for. Uh, and since then he became a friend. And he became a friend because we worked hard on projects and uh, he appreciated it. And we didn't just deliver and that's it. You know, you build relationships with your clients and, and you go at it like that. So, uh, but also working for Singularity, we were doing a lot of great work for him and 
and him and the company realized that we were adding value in ways that weren't just design and they needed more of that. So uh, they offered me a job uh, to run operations in their lab, which is basically a, uh, a prototyping lab for, for corporates and startups to just work on new technologies that can change the world. So I, I've been commuting to uh, California about once a month and spending a week out there working with them and then work remotely the rest of the time. And it's, it's been a great fit. And again, working with a lot of great motivated people. But again, again the moral of the story is I never told myself that I wanted a job in wrestling. I got an offer uh, with a job in wrestling. I never said, hey, I want to go work in uh, California at one of the most innovative uh, companies in the world. Uh, it was just something I'm, I'm out there executing for everyone and anyone that I am interacting with. And uh, you just do that and uh, doors open for you. So doing a lot of fun things with, with that and uh, to talk about Lumos a little bit. So uh, myself, Nick, Lacey, and a few other co-founders have created a, uh, uh, a startup ecosystem here in Columbus. So. Not only we do we do a lot of great uh, design strategy work that, that Zoco is executing on, but we also do a lot of corporate innovation for uh, large corporates. Uh, we've got the great lens of also helping startups, and uh, you know the biggest innovations these days are coming from startups, and corporates are realizing that they don't want to be the next you know taxi cab industry being disrupted by Uber or uh, hotel chain being disrupted by Airbnb. So they're uh, these corporates are realizing that they need to uh, see what's going on in these startups and we can bridge that gap by showing them what's going on, but we can also just help uh, them navigate through this process. So we want to develop an intimate relationship with both corporates but also the startup community because there are some great synergies. So we, we're launching an accelerator. Uh, you can check it out at lumoscolumbus.com. Uh, LumosInnovation.com. Yes, sorry, Lumos Columbus was our old one, and uh, <laughs> not the one. LumosInnovation.com. There we go. So good thing we've got a, uh, we'll a brand, uh, clearly, a brand strategy <laughs> person in the interview to to keep us on on target. Uh, but yeah, so we do a lot of great work with startups. So we mentioned the accelerator. We're, we're going to have a space where startups can work out of, and and really, it's just about connecting the dots in the uh, the community between startups, corporates, and anyone else who wants to to be involved in some great things from from just opening up the community to see seeing different tech art and things like that. Yeah, that's right. awesome. And a big term that I kind of hear people use a lot lately across different things I've listened to is like corporations and even smaller business any businesses putting themselves out of business first before mm -hmm. somebody else does so there's so much like the jargon around disruption and if these yeah. companies can continue to evolve in spaces like lumos then they can kind of put themselves out of business before somebody else does mm -hmm. and they can keep keep growing and keep you know the stronghold that they have in their industry yeah i mean it's happened so many times uh amongst big corporates that they're not necessarily put out of business, but a huge part of their market share is taken over by something completely different by small teams. Uh, like to Alex's point, corporates are realizing there's a ton of value in collaborating with small teams, which is awesome for us. In the beginning, we thought we'd have to be a huge agency to work with with big corporates, and that's not at all the case. Um, but they're realizing that they don't they don't want to be losing their market share, obviously, and so they need to be thinking differently and and not just having this little incremental growth. It's no longer that you can succeed in business by having the same product and just adding a new feature every year, making it just a little bit better. 
You have to think about completely flipping it over and, and changing your direction entirely and trying to solve for people's needs and, and using human-centered design to, to find out what they're really looking for. Um, so like with Airbnb, like people want to feel like they're in a home away from home. They don't want to feel like they're in some stuffy hotel, and it's just so much easier. The inventory is already there. It's lower risk to start that business, and so obviously it took off. And um, just by looking at what people truly intrinsically want versus what we think they want and just adding on one more little feature um, is how these small businesses are able to succeed. And so obviously big, big corporates are looking for that. Startups are looking to, to be that next disruptor. Um, to lead to exponential growth that just is completely different from what we've seen. That's awesome. That's really, and, you know, I think that's a good place to talk about and maybe kind of die down, but um, I'm going to kick it over to Josh because it is getting towards noon here. <laughs> and I know Josh has got to go do some real estate things and we've got some things going on, but uh, Josh, you want to talk a little bit about your wrap-up and unless you have any other questions? No, I think that's about all the questions I have. I think, and we try to do a synopsis at the end of every episode, and I think from this one the biggest thing that I feel like I'm going to take away from this is just executing in every situation that you're in to the highest of your potential and focusing on providing more value than you're taking away. And then in the end, things work out for you. But then also following your passions. I mean, you guys have both followed things that you're passionate about that make you happy on a daily basis. You guys work 27 hours a day. I don't think I've ever emailed Alex and had him not been like attached to his computer. So, if, I mean, you couldn't have possibly sustained that lifestyle if you weren't happy with what you're doing. I mean... And uh, just personally, I think you guys are both extremely motivated people. You motivate me every time when I sit down and I want to watch like four hours of Parks and Rec. I'm like, well, <laughs> Alex is writing emails right now. So, you know, I, I can't let him beat me. And then beats me every time anyways. But so well, I, I, think, think, I think I think quickly to add something to that is just being surrounded by good people, too, um, that have similar goals as you. Like we have a nine month old right now. He's luckily still asleep. Uh, but, you know, we, we couldn't run three businesses and also take care of a tiny baby if we weren't surrounded by great teams and great people in our lives who are able to support us and so I think that's really important too whether it be mentors or or the awesome hires that you have that share the same vision as you and don't want to just do a job they want to be part of something bigger than that that's awesome I think that's a great way to end for sure absolutely you know and uh for all you conquerors out there, thanks for listening. That was Alex and Lacey Picasso of Zoco Design, Lumos Innovations, Media Machine, and many more. And we'll have all their stuff linked below in the show notes. You can check out all their websites and follow them on Twitter and Instagram and all that. So, And if you like the episode, rate us on iTunes. You can make fun of Alex in the comments <laughs> if you'd like. We encourage that. That'll get us a higher ranking on iTunes as well. And uh, that is Conquering Columbus, and we'll talk to you guys later. Drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.